Pastor Xavier Rees says it's not the achievement, but the proper motive behind our service that God honors. D.L. Moody once said that the measure of a man is not how many servants he has, but how many men he serves. God has saved you and has saved me to serve. Who do we primarily serve? God. But the natural outflow of serving God is we serve each other. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Although it might be common to think of ministers over the megachurches as among those closest to God, what actually makes someone great in the eyes of God is their willingness to be a servant. And so when the apostles were in an argument over who would be able to sit and reign to the left and right of Jesus, Jesus had a sharp rebuke for those who chose to be served. Here's Pastor Xavier with the continuation of a message titled, Secrets of Greatness. Mark chapter 10, verses 35 through 45 this morning. Our Lord and Savior provides for us some lessons on greatness, but true greatness. In verse 35 through 37, it says, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him, saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in your glory. Don't miss that. James and John sought for greatness because of pride. Think with me as we've gone through the Gospel of Mark. Remember that they were chosen by Jesus to be in the inner circle. Peter, James, John. In chapter 5, verse 37, remember when Jairus came to Jesus and said, My daughter is at the brink of death. Come, and I know that she will live. When he got there, he picked Peter, James, and John and says, You guys come in with me. They were privileged to walk in with the mother and father and to see the little girl be raised. Now, I don't know what that does for you, but if I was walking with Jesus and he let me go and, and, and he left the other nine behind, I would think I've got a pretty good niche with the Lord. I mean, after all, he didn't have to pick me. Therefore, he must have picked me because of something I've done. Because of who I am. In chapter 9, verse 2, once again, he picks Peter, James, and John to go up to the Mount of Transfiguration. Once again, Peter, James, and John. But the two of the three are there. They had concluded that because of this place of privilege, that whatever they asked Jesus, he would grant it. It's called presumptuousness. It comes out of pride. Look at verse 37. They said to him, Grant us that we may sit one on the right hand and the other on your left in your glory. James and John sought for power and prestige. The right hand speaks of the place of privilege, power, and authority. 
when a king sat on his throne and a person sat on his right hand, they were second man. But Jesus said to them, you do not know what you ask. Can you drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said unto him, oh, yeah, Lord, we can hang with it. We can do it. The cup represents the experience that God had for him, the cross, the agony, the suffering. Can you drink of that cup? Oh, yeah, Lord. The Lord says, you know, you want to be used by, oh, yes, I want to be used, Lord. And we look at the positive. We're going to reign with him. We're going to have prestige, authority. But we don't count the cost, the negative aspect. And we don't understand. The word baptism speaks of being identified with the sorrow's death. Are you sure you want to be identified with me? I'm going to be hated. I'm going to be mocked. I'm going to be scourged. I'm going to be crucified. You want to be identified with me? And so Jesus prophesies that indeed they both would drink of the cup of the baptism. In verse 39. Acts 12, 1 and 2, James was killed by the sword. By Herod. Peter was thrown in the slammer for a couple of days. John... The beloved in Revelation 1.9 was exiled to the island of Patmos for his testimony, but not before he was boiled in oil. They truly did drink of the cup and were baptized with the baptism. And then Jesus says that the Father will determine who gets that place of privilege, the right and the left hand in verse 40. But to sit on my right hand and my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared. What does he mean? Does he mean that he didn't know? Is he saying he's not God? No. He is just saying that from the predetermined accounts and foreknowledge of God, it is the Father who will appoint that place of right and left hand. But Jesus says that the Father will give those things. And you know why? Because God sees the heart. He doesn't look at the outward, but he looks at the heart. Everything that I ever do in this church, God looks at my heart when I do something. And when I get to the Bema Seat of Christ, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, everything is going to be tried by the motives of my heart, 1 Corinthians 4, 5. And maybe I'm going to be standing up there and I'm going to go and I'm going to grab some things, you know, and okay, Lord, and, and, and I'm going to be standing there. He says, next, that's it. That's all you get. Why? Because you look at me and you say, man, isn't he neat? Look at all the gold. Look what he does. Look at this and that. And God says, what? <laughs> because he looks at my heart. Whatever I do in my life for Jesus Christ, if it is not from the right motive of the heart to serve him, I will lose the reward. It'll help you, maybe. It'll help the work of Christ. But it will not help me in the least bit. Because God looks at the heart. Matthew 20, 23 says that the Father will give that honor. It is for my Father to give that place. D.L. Moody once said, that the measure of a man is not how many servants he has, but how many men he serves. 
Sounds so nice, doesn't it? But we have to live it. God has saved you and has saved me to be a servant, to serve. Who do we primarily serve? God. But the natural outflow of serving God is we serve each other and serve people. They had no concept of this. None at all. Who were they? The disciples. The 12 that God had promised and counted on to carry on the kingdom. Two of the 12 thought they were greater than the others. This didn't go well with them. <laughs> the principles of the servant greatness is given to us in verses 41 through 45. And when the ten heard it, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John. Why? Because they thought they were great. <laughs> but you know, I bet you who got ticked off the worst? Peter. Because he was the third member of that inner circle. And these two guys, these two rats, they didn't count him in. And how unfair, they got their mother to do their dirty work. It says they heard it and they began to be greatly displeased, indignant, pain. But again, it was an evidence of their heart. Now kick back. Jesus is sitting back. He's watching all this and he's looking at what's going on in the heart of these two. And then he's looking at what's going on in the heart of these ten. And these ten are looking at these two and these two are looking at these ten. And they're both saying, oh, those guys, I can't believe it. And Jesus says, I can't believe this whole mess. All twelve of them. Verse 41 is not the only place where this happened. It happened once before in Mark 9.34. They came to Capernaum, and when Jesus had entered the house, Jesus says, what was it that you guys were disputing among yourselves on the road? But they kept silent. For on the road they had disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. <laughs> Can you imagine? You're walking with Jesus, God. Nothing escapes him. And he's 30 yards up. And all 12 of you are back here saying, hey, who do you think is the greatest? Don't say it too loud because he might hear us. <laughs> and Jesus reading their heart. He said, by the way, what were you guys talking back to? You guys look real interested. Oh, none, Lord. We're just talking about the boats out there, the big fish today. <laughs> Incredible. Here's the second time. But don't stop there. Luke 22 and John 13 says, when Jesus came to give the fulfillment of the Passover, and he's going to break bread, said, this is my body, take the cup, this is my blood. What are they arguing again? Who's the greatest? So he doesn't say anything. He takes a towel, girds himself, and he begins to wash feet. And he says, I have given you an example. Three times he had to teach his disciples about this. Verse 42, Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them. And they're great ones exercise authority over them. 
Verse 42, he gives us the principles of the world. The model and practice of the world is to rule and to lord authority over people. This is what we were in the world. This is what we experienced. This is what we exercise in the world. Now, we're not to do that in the body of Christ. There's a contrast here. What is Jesus saying? He says, you know, this is what the world does, and you guys are acting like the world. Now, we don't like that. We get offended when somebody tells us that. But Jesus is reproving and rebuking his disciples. He says, you guys are acting as if I never came. You guys are acting as if I don't even exist. You guys are acting like you're, you're all that there is. And really, he rebukes them sharply because this is, you guys are just like if you're not even born again. He says there, you know. They knew it very well. Yet, verse 43 says, it shall not be so among you. Here's the reproof, the rebuke. What are you guys doing? This is the practice of the kingdom here and the model of the kingdom. But whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. We like the word. We like the concept. We like people to think of us as that. The word is diakonos. We get our word deacon from. Literally, it's a waiter on tables. Now, a lot of people like to, you know, reverend. I'm not a reverend. There's only one time the word appears in the Bible, revere, and that's relationship to God. I am a glorified waiter boy. That's all a minister is. The word minister means to serve. And I serve God, and then I serve you. But my primary objective is to serve God. But if I try to serve you bypassing God, I will be doing you a disservice, and I will be in deep trouble with God. Servants. Jesus said in John 15, 20, the servant is not greater than his master. And yet how often we forget that Jesus being God emptied himself and he took on the form of a servant and yet we exalt ourselves above our master. How? By our attitude. How we respond to one another. Whatever you ever do in the body of Christ, do it as unto the Lord. And if the Holy Spirit checks you on your heart, then respond to it. And you grab a hold of the practice of the kingdom that Jesus says here. It shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be the servant, your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. The word is doulos, a voluntary slave by choice. Sometimes the only reason people do things or, or are around is because they're asked. If you always have to be asked, then you're really not a servant. A servant knows that he has a master and he seeks to see what he can do for his master. And he's looking for things and he's finding things and he does things. And when he does things, he doesn't come to his master, master, I just did this. I just. No, he just does it. And Jesus says, you know, after you have done all, say, I am an unprofitable servant. That's heavy. That's proper perspective. Paul says he became all things to all men that he might win some. To the Jew he became a Jew. To the Gentile a Gentile. Why? 
because he was serving God. He was a slave of all. When he had money, he, he enjoyed it. When he didn't, then no big deal. When he was in prison, he was writing to the churches for the problem. When he was out on the road, he was ministering to the gospel. I mean, he was a slave. We like the words, but to live it out, it's a little difficult. That's when we pull back. And yet that isn't exclusive of the minister. That's another thing, you know. We say, well, you know, you, you do it. That's what you get paid for. No, I don't get paid for that. I'm sorry. As a matter of fact, it's a joy to serve the Lord. I'm amazed that I do get paid for it. I never thought I would ever do that. That was never my intent. And yet if we're not careful, we get that mentality, you know, of you and us. And so many churches are built in that mentality and they have their committees, they have their boards, and they have everything else, and they think that God has called them to control the pastor. I thank God that God rose, raised up Calvary Chapel the way he did because we just want the Lord to lead. We don't want to spend a lot of time with a bunch of junk and a bunch of flesh. And the reality is that many Christians are carnal only because it's an evidence that many leaders are carnal. And so they use carnal means to motivate carnal people. And that's a worse commentary on leadership than it is on the people. And so we say, well, we're going to have a contest. The blue's on the left, the, right, the red's over here on the right, and we're going to see how many people you can bring to church next month. And if you do, you will get a golden platter. And so we need to use carnal methods to try to build a church. And so what do we have? We have a bigger carnal church. We get so intellectual, we go from church to church checking off our list and see if this preacher matches the other preacher. The only problem is it only stays in our brain and never goes down to our heart. And it just makes us more accountable. And so in verse 45, Christ gives us the example. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. He came to serve. 1 Peter 2.21 says that he has left us an example to follow his footsteps. Now, you want to live a frustrated life, ask yourself the question every time, what would Jesus do if... He was here. <laughs> because you can't do it. But he's left me a model that I might observe and to just commit myself to him and say, Lord, I can't do it. Fill me with that love. Give me the wisdom. And trust him for it. But I can't be Jesus. I don't know if you haven't noticed that. I can't be Jesus. I offend people. I blow it. I make mistakes. And so I have to entrust myself to the grace of God. But I can only do that if I recognize that that pride has to be put aside. Here he is, a son of man, a title for Messiah. And what is he doing? He's serving. He didn't come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life a ransom for many. The ransom speaks of the redemptive price for a slave. He came to buy us back. He came to redeem us. How did he do it? By serving. Who did he serve primarily? Us? No. The Father. 
then man. That's always a priority. You start with man, you're going to be in deep trouble. You always start with God, and then you project out and you'll hit the target. But you start with man, and you'll miss God and everything else. You must start with God. And here he is, he just kind of levels these guys. Now I know that you're thinking, hey, if I would have been there, hey, I would have learned my lesson. No, you wouldn't have. Because it happens one more time to them. Continually over and over again, we must keep this servant's heart in mind. True greatness doesn't come by promotion of man. The psalm says that promotion doesn't come from the east or the west, but from the Lord. Don't seek the promotion. Just seek to serve. And God will promote you. The navigators are well known for their emphasis on having an attitude of servanthood. And a businessman once asked uh, one of the leaders, uh, the president of the navigators, uh, how he could uh, know when he had a servitude's attitude, a servant's heart. And he said this, by how you act when you are treated like one. Oh, yes, I serve the Lord. God's calling me to do. Then we do something. And we've been working. We've been doing. And they say, hey, by the way, can you come tomorrow at 6 o'clock? We have no one to open up. <laughs> Who do you think I am? When they treat you as a servant and a slave, how do you respond? If you are one, you'll say, yeah, I can do it. No problem. That's the bottom line, people. Whatever you do, you do as unto the Lord. And man, you will be blessed. More than anything else. And so we need to learn these lessons that the Lord has for us here. Become the servant of all. But realize that you can't do it on your own. You must trust Jesus Christ. Be aware of that pride for prestige, for power, for prominence is there in all of us. We drop little hints. We, you know, you know, as I was woke up early this morning at four in the morning and uh, prayed before I came, um, uh, the Lord, just, Jesus says, when you pray, go into your closet. And God who sees in secret will reward you openly. And we need to be careful of that. If you want to be great, you must become the servant of all. I don't know where your heart is. My heart is to reach as many people as I can. That's where it's at, people. Not to just get comfortable and put on your seatbelt and say, okay, let's go to heaven. I mean, remember where you were at before you came to Christ. There are a lot of your friends still there. Some of your family members don't know Christ. And you really aren't helping them to see Christ. And you need to pray. Sometimes you have to back off because they say, that's it, I want to hear it. Then you pray, but pray faithfully. And love them. God is faithful. It took 10 years for my mom and dad to come to the Lord. The Lord saved them. I mean, the Lord healed my dad, total heathen. He had a hole in his liver and he healed him. Why didn't God heal some of the Christians I've known? He's let them die. God is God. We need to be servants. Servants of all. If not, you'll expect everybody to serve you. And when they don't, it won't be long before you let them know. And it really doesn't take very long. So get your eyes on Jesus and grab a hold of these principles.
none of us are above him. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Pastor Xavier Reese pointing out the greatest example of a servant of the kingdom of God, Jesus Christ himself. Now, just before we close, let me mention that copies of today's Simple Truths message titled Secrets of Greatness are available on CD for just $4. And this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is simply Secrets of Greatness, or just mention today's date. And you can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 